Here we are in Lviv following the event. Uh, thank you so much for participating. And um, I was really keen to dig a bit more into what you're doing, what got you into what you're doing, what it's all about. Um, and we're gonna put some pictures of cute puppies in this. Yeah, yeah. It'll probably end up being the most popular video on the channel, but there we go. That's, that's what so. puppies do. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, so my name is Noel Tok, uh, I'm Swiss. I come from actually like a tech background, so I work in open source and WordPress, but I have been involved with humanitarian societies for 17 years now. And when a friend of mine that I met by coincidence in Norway uh, years ago uh, asked me if I wanted to come down here and help out, I, I don't know why it hadn't occurred to me before to help in Ukraine, uh, but I was just like, yes, uh, it, it was just kind of like a gut reaction. Um, so here I am helping out um, evacuate animals from the front lines, uh, feed uh, animals that are in deoccupied areas, and then find them new homes also in Western Ukraine. Did you have any connection with Ukraine, Ukrainian language? No, very, very new to me. I, th I think the, the, the biggest shock coming in, uh, you know, coming over the border, you're, you're in Lviv, and then you're going to Kharkiv, and you, you're like, this is a really long way, you know, to, to get there. Uh, the, the, the size of this country is, is phenomenal um, and then obviously that comes with differences in culture and places and it's, uh, it's just been an amazing experience. I, I was very naive coming on this trip. I like, Makes two of I, us. <laughs> I didn't know how long it would take to cross the border yeah. and Arrest who is uh, yes. you know, friend, friend and colleague, I was like, well, you know, I'll come over yeah. and just pop across to Kiev. He says, you don't just pop no. to Kiev. It's Eight a long by way. Train. Yeah. Intercity, nonetheless. So we abandoned that and yeah. <laughs> you know, we've, we've, we've made the most of Lviv. Now, your charity is doing extraordinary work. Um, one of the questions we asked yesterday, and I'd be interested to hear your mm. view on this, the way Ukrainians treat animals, or the way any country treats animals, is, I think, an indicator of its level of civilization. And there does seem to be, you know, you see a lot of memes and viral videos of yeah. Ukrainian soldiers uh, caring for animals and so on. Has your experience been that Ukrainians generally are very empathetic and care for animals, or is it more complex? Oh, I'd, I'd almost say it's more simple. Like, if, if, they, if they care for each other, they care for the animals. And if they don't, they just don't. And this is why, when you look at uh, accounts like uh, Animals in Ukraine, which is a great account, follow that. Uh, if you want to see cute kittens and soldiers and all that, I'm, I'm not associated, but she does a great job running that account. Um, you, you see a, a tremendous amount of empathy and love for animals, um, even during the toughest times. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we've evacuated animals from rich houses, let's say, that have been abandoned. And they're, they're, I'm, I'm sure there was a place in the BMW X5 to take that animal with and just wasn't really taken with. Uh, I think there was a case at, at, at Pittsburgh Airport yesterday or two days ago where uh, the, the, the lady was supposed to put the dog in the crate and she hadn't prepared, so she just left the dog behind in the garage. So I, I think everywhere you, you just find bad humans um, and good humans that uh, all the like. And you know, the opinion was expressed yesterday that there's a certain degree of callousness with the way Russians treat their soldiers, uh, treat each other. Uh, and using your logic, that also, some of that cruelty 
and indifference would, would extend down to how they treat animals as well, and Ukrainian animals in particular. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll find animals shot dead in villages once uh, armed for Ukrainian armed forces uh, move ahead and you know uh, regain land. Um, it's 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 a mess what's left behind. You know, like if you if you go to places like Izum or or beyond, um, it's just it's just havoc that's left behind. Uh, not only the animals, but just life as as you know it, incomplete. You know. And the animals you rescue, obviously, it's 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 the living ones you want to you want to uh, evacuate. Yes. Um, they must come with a, a vast array of physical traumas, but also animals can can exhibit uh, mental traumas as well. And you know what what state are some of these animals in? What do you have to deal with? How do you stabilize them to get them out? Uh, I mean, dogs are insanely resilient and. You know, like um, we have Pavel and Sveta, which are, are uh, part of the leadership team here in Ukraine, um, and they're both very experienced um, people with um, working with working dogs, uh, so be it hunting or show dogs or whatever. So they have extensive experience working on the on the psyche and personality of, of a dog, and it's amazing what happens after two or three days at our shelter, and how quickly that dog bounces back and, and finds life again. So. You know, there's hope in that regard uh, that that they can bounce back very well. And other times, you know, I've I've just been surprised where we've picked up a dog with you know a pretty significant injury, and the dog doesn't cry, doesn't moan or anything like that. Just goes with the flow and trusts us. That has never met us, you know. So um, yeah, they're, they're an integral part of society, and um, you know, just the same way. I think all these long tail items are of, you know, be it culture, arts, uh, all these things that we need to bring along on this journey to uh, victory with Ukraine. And you, you, you have quite a high throughput of animals. So in any given time, I think you're mentioning you have tens of animals under care, but you're not just sort of looking after them forever. You try to find a home and a purpose for these animals after you've sort of revived them and, uh, and evacuated them. That's correct. So in the short term now, we've been really focused on evacuations and we've evacuated animals. We brought them to our shelter, uh, sterilized them, uh, vaccinated them. Uh, then we have this little sales team on, on, on Facebook groups that goes and finds a, a new family in Western Ukraine. And so we're almost like vertically integrated in that regard. And we do a great job, I think, with all of that. But the next step is really the mobile clinic, um, sterilizations in villages themselves and really following that, that CNBR model which is um, catch, neuter, vaccinate, release, um, and then thereby uh, engaging in animal population management control um, and, and doing that in a humane way, as opposed to mass culling or you know throwing dog food on the street and long-term sheltering. Um, you know there are some very large shelters in Ukraine. And I'm, I'm not saying that's by design, but there I think there needs to be a more proactive take towards. Um, very long-term solutions. So everything we do is very solution-based. Our animals come in, they stay for two weeks. Uh, we've had at our peak 46, our shelter now, or last week at least. And then we really try to flip the inventory, so to speak. As cute as puppies are, you don't want your dog population to be uh, increasing exponentially. Yes. <laughs> That's correct. Now you don't, 
you don't deal with cats. There are going to be people watching. We evacuate this. them. Oh, you do evacuate yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. We we evacuate all sorts of animals. We've also evacuated people. Um, you know, I, I think you just kind of help in where you can. Yeah. But our specialty is dogs, so our shelter is dogs. But you know, if we can help by evacuating and bringing that dog person, whatever, uh, sorry, cat person, whatever, to another location that's on our way, amazing. Uh, it's just part of the team effort, I think. And. Of course, there's a network of different civil society groups and so on. So are there other groups you collaborate with, support, who perhaps deal with other types of animals, other situations? I mean, we've, we've seen the most funny uh, shelter, I'd say, down in uh, Herson. Uh, this was before um, the attack on the dam. And they had black foxes, they had raccoons. Uh, I think they, they picked up a lemur on the way uh, out of who knows where uh, and they were trying to figure out how to feed it, what to feed it, you know, so uh, that's Yana who runs it down there. But essentially we, we have many, many contacts in the different villages and the different shelters whereby we provide our food to because we produce um, 40,000 kilos uh, per month and we distribute that on a almost like a name basis throughout the deoccupied areas whereby um, the animals should really be having like a long-term solution. So if you're, if you need the food on behalf of an animal that has not been evacuated yet, but you are taking care of that, we will give you food for a, a while. Uh, however, if, if 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 it's for your own animal, we limit it to three months because we want you to take a, take on a solution and take responsibility for your animal. So there's there's rules we have to put in place because resources are limited and we also want to drive solutions. So I think yesterday you talked very eloquently about some of the potential uh, future uses for dogs because, you know, dogs, I guess, psychologically give them a purpose and that, that's also a great part of the rehabilitation process. You've talked about uh, demining and uh, sort of, I guess, dogs that can help sort of de-stress people with PTSD. Those sound like sort of fascinating and extremely useful um, processes that you can uh, that you can develop for these animals. Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned before, we're we're more or less vertically integrated. We have a shelter. We have lots of experienced people um, across the entire line. That gives us an opportunity to, you know, from a business perspective, let's say, uh, expand horizontally um, and get into other aspects of working dogs. And a working dog, a good example are um, demining dogs. So you traditionally see like beagles at the airport or whatever, you know, for because they have a bit of a strong nose. Um, so, you know, in whatever cases we can try and we have, we have the ability to find puppies uh, because we often have puppies that come through our shelter um, and they are of a breed or a mix that has that kind of higher degree of sniffing, let's say. Uh, we absolutely can give them a chance to work in demining. Uh, so that's something we're, uh, we're actively researching and I think we'd like to kick off a pilot program um, as soon as we're able to kick off the sterilization, uh, uh, mobile sterilization. That's, that's a priority for now, but you know, you, you want to think long term, you want to think about how you position yourself, you want to think about the licenses and, and everything that you need in order to perform certain tasks. Uh, for training demining dogs, you obviously need a, a license to pick up explosives from you know, the local military um, so that you can train dogs on, on that. Um, and then with regards to PTSD, we have a massive amount of soldiers that were drafted out of their regular life, um, exposed to insane circumstances, trench warfare, and just brutal just war. I, I don't know how else to say it. Um, and you know, if we look at the, the numbers of 
something like Afghanistan, where returning soldiers, I think in something like in the 16 to 20 percent of them had PTSD or um, tested positive for PTSD. Um, that's a very high number when you think about this country and what that means uh, post-victory. Um, so I, I, I think when you consider uh, the use of working dogs and animals, and especially dogs who have the ability to reduce uh, PTSD symptoms by 80% over the long term uh, as a support animal, or in the short term with just a week exposure, um, a week's worth of exposure to a dog, uh, that reduces medication by almost 50%. Uh, that's just insane. Uh, so, you know, that's absolutely something that, you know, personally I would love uh, for us to experiment when the time comes, but with everything that is this war, you have to play to your strengths at the right moment, at the right time. So it's a bit of a balancing act in terms of where do we go, what do we do? And uh, the last couple of questions we've got here really absolutely. are around uh, funding, yes. uh, but also it requires a lot of effort from volunteers but not just volunteers alone, you need people with expertise. And there'll be people watching this, especially when we intercut the section of cute puppies. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there are gonna be people who are gonna to wanna to say, well, how can we help with this? Um, so what can people do? Um, how can they help? How can they contribute? And those who wanna get more hands-on and directly involved, uh, you know, what, what are you looking for? So we're, we run a pretty tight ship right now. Um, I, 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 I can't say that we have space to just bring in other humans randomly you know that are like hey I just want to help you know um, we, we haven't set up that kind of scalable blueprint, uh, blueprint yet um, because all of us are quite hands-on with just the day-to-day -day. I'm sure we'll get there and you know follow us obviously to you know keep in touch with that otherwise uh, funding is, is amazing uh, for us you know like we produce a lot of food we do a lot of evacuations um, our expenses are incredibly low in terms of our, our unnecessary overhead is extremely low. Our expenses are very high because we produce a ton of dog food and do lots of other stuff. Um, but yeah, we're very efficient. That being said, if you rather donate to a smaller charity, I can absolutely help you personally with that. Um, I have a great story from yesterday uh, at the conference where uh, I met this nice gentleman by the name of Marcel um, from Perth, Australia, who came up to me and he said, hey, I'd like to do a swap. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, I'd love to trade one of your badges because I was handing out these patches uh, of Nordok and uh, I'd love to trade one of those for a thousand dollars and I was absolutely like you know flabbergasted and you know you, you find out the story and he you know his his brother passed away um, last year and he, he left uh, money behind that he wanted distributed to charities and Marcel is finding charities that relate to children and animals in Ukraine and that's absolutely amazing and in that particular case, I thought, look, $1,000 is going to go a much longer way with one of the charities we know in Harrison than another you know, um, thousand kilos of dog food for us, because uh, that's literally what it roughly translates to for us. So, you know, I think it, it depends on what you want to do. Um, you know, like we're obviously a highly efficient charity, so if you want to donate to us, that's great. Um, if you'd like to have more of a personal relationship with a smaller charity that you'd like to help grow and kind of be a PR person for in another country, I think that will really help because we have the ties, you know, to foreign countries and, and have established that kind of fundraising network. But if you have the talent and the time to help with a local charity here, um, I can absolutely recommend charities so that you can be almost like a foreign coordinator for these much smaller shelters, which is which are run by one person who has a full-time job and then does the shelter uh, on top of that. 
long-winded answer, but you know, reach out to me personally. I will absolutely assist you. This is fantastic. We'll put links in the video to your organization that. and lots of cute puppy stuff. But I think Please. there's a serious point to this. Uh, and clearly the work you're doing can scale, grow and find new uses. And I think that's the beauty of Ukraine, isn't it? People absolutely. see a problem and then they experiment with a whole range of solutions. Um, is that inspiring, you know, seeing what's happening here and Ukrainian society and its resilience? Uh, absolutely. If anything, I'm, you know, after the conference yesterday, I, I thought a lot about this because I feel like we're getting to a point with the charities where, you know, you, you go on Instagram, it's like, hey, I need money for a drone, I need money for this, I need money for that. And there's always like a, a mono bank link and everything. And I almost feel like there's that, there, there's, there's a real need now for abstraction or second layers that aggregate a number of these charities and, and bringing these narratives together for the particular verticals or the niches. Um, so that could be um, with logistics of charities. Um, so having you know a, a single logistics company that helps you helps multiple charities bring their goods to the front lines and have a distribution warehouse uh, you know in Dnipro or somewhere. Um, that could be um, what are trustworthy um, uh, charities or it's like the financial transparency of charities. Uh, you know, a single site that's like a charity navigator for all these new uh, startups, if you will, that are starting up all, everywhere and just doing so much good. Um, another one that I'm, that very much interests me is a is a document or a best practices standards for Western media in terms of adopting a almost like a a blueprint in, in terms of how to report um, ethically. I think on this war. Um, because we heard yesterday many, many good challenges that the media here sees in the reporting of Western media, even if it's well intended. Um, so I think you know that could be the starting place for the the larger disinformation or AI kind of wave that comes later on, um, and that might set good precedents. It's been a huge pleasure speaking, and Absolutely. I'm so delighted you could take part in the event yesterday. Me too. Thank um, you for inviting me. This, this will be going live in the next couple of days. I'm, I'm setting back on my journey back to uh, Tax Woxford uh, early this morning. Um, yeah, I, and then yeah, next time, we'll, uh, I'll be a bit more adventurous and uh, come and film the work on site that you're doing. That would be a huge privilege to We'd be able love to do that. that. We'd absolutely love that. Are you ready to adopt? Central Square, from here to Russian border, is about 